What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Hope Davis on today's episode. You guys, this is an update episode. I love update episodes. She was actually on episode 22, so I would consider her one of the OGs. Um, Hope, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to do a follow-up. Yes. So when we did our podcast number 22, um, I had just had uh, what they thought was a heterotopic pregnancy. So I had had a pregnancy in my uterus and one in my fallopian tube, an ectopic. And I've heard really mixed things from different doctors I've seen since then. Um, One told me for sure that's what it was. One told me that's so unlikely, like there's no way that's what it was. Um, And I probably just had an ectopic the whole time. But as I'll explain later, I've had another ectopic since then. And that first one was so different. Like I um, started bleeding at like six weeks um, and then like didn't have anything for a month, except I kept having positive pregnancy tests and then had debilitating pain and went in and they found an ectopic pregnancy. And with my next one that I had, it was just completely different from that. So I really do think that that was a heterotopic pregnancy. Um, And I would just caution women again, that I do think that's probably more common than doctors think it is. So just to keep watching if you have a miscarriage, but keep getting positive pregnancy tests, (laughs) be really careful. Um, So after that, we tried through... I had my um, ectopic and my right fallopian tube removed in November and um, started trying right away again. I'm sure my body was not healed up yet, but I was determined to try again. So we tried until March, which felt like the longest time. And I know that's really not that long, but it felt like forever. And in March, we got pregnant again. Um, my beta came back really low again the first time, like a six, I think all of my numbers have been really low. Um, like the first number, but it came back like a six and went up. It went up to like 40 or something a few days later. And, um, I kept taking pregnancy tests at home and they just They were getting darker, but like barely, barely darker. Like it wasn't the like, I feel like usually a successful pregnancy is like pretty substantially darker every couple of days. And these just weren't. And I actually, I remember sending you a picture of them and being like, what do you think this is? Because they're just barely getting darker. Um, So like a week after we found out we were pregnant, uh, we miscarried that time. And my doctor considered that, uh, like an early miscarriage and didn't 
put the term chemical pregnancy on that one, um, which was really nice. Um, so we had our second, and I remember just being like so shocked that we would have two in a row. And then in, so then I actually reached out to a reproductive endocrinologist after that because we had had two losses and um, my OB told me like, well, it really doesn't count as two losses because your ectopic doesn't count as a miscarriage, which is hard to hear. And um, shut up. Yeah ridiculous yeah and even actually I was on the phone so we'll get to this later but I've been interviewing IVF doctors and um I was on the phone with a doctor the other day and I was like yes I've had four losses and two of them were or two four miscarriages and two of them were ectopic and he was like well those ectopics don't count as miscarriages and I was like ouch (laughs) like oh my goodness you say that is just like a dagger to your yeah like okay but they were like pregnancies like I've seen them they were little like fetuses but whatever so my OB was like no that first topic doesn't count as a loss and so this one really is just your first miscarriage and we won't do any testing until you've had at least three more and I was like you've got to be kidding me like four losses before you'll do any testing So I contacted a reproductive endocrinologist and they were like, no, you for sure had two losses and that's enough to be considered recurrent miscarriage and we can like start doing things to improve your odds. So they actually didn't do any testing other than just like my TSH levels and I think a vitamin D Um, and those came back fine, but they did want to start me on... um, doing like a medicated cycle where we would do letrozole for five days and follow my um, follicles to see, make sure I had one or two good follicles developing and then do a trigger shot and then start with progesterone immediately after, um, like two or three days after the trigger shot because the information, and I've heard it totally all sorts of ways, but the information my doctor said was, if you don't start progesterone right after ovulation, it really doesn't help. And I am not saying that I believe in that because I've heard so many women have different success stories all over. Um, but that's just what he said. So that was his motto. And so that's what we did. So we did a treated cycle, a medicated cycle in June. And that one was just the biggest mind F (laughs) there's ever been. Um, they did the trigger shot and I decided to test out the trigger, um, just cause I knew that if I got a positive pregnancy test, you know, 12 days later or whatever, I wouldn't be able to believe it unless I'd seen the trigger get out of my system. So I took cheapy pregnancy tests from the day of trigger on and the trigger got lighter and lighter and lighter until it was gone. And then the pregnancy test started to come back positive. So I was like, Oh my God, it worked. It was positive. And I called the doctor and they sent me for labs and my labs came back like less than two. And I was like, that just does not make sense because I'm getting positive pregnancy tests. Like what is going on? And I don't know if it was the lab messing up or what, but it came back less than two. And then 
like three days later, I was getting darker pregnancy tests and they were still really faint, but like my husband could obviously see them. They were obviously there. Um, so knowing our history of the ectopic, I was like, can I do one more blood test just to see what's going on? Like, this just doesn't make any sense. At this point, the trigger has to be out of my system. Like it's been like 16 days or something since trigger. And, um, I went back in and my level was like a six point something again. So, um, and then like two days later, my pregnancy tests were negative and I started to bleed again. So that one, they considered a chemical pregnancy, like something was trying to work and just didn't. But that one was just so like, just really messed with my head because I'm getting positive urine tests at home, but negative blood tests, and then finally got a positive blood test, but obviously it was so low, and that was so many days out from ovulation that it just didn't seem like it would be viable at all, um, and it wasn't, so that was sucked, because now we'd had three losses, or four, if you consider the first one to be twins, um, and at that point, I think, like, I obviously know your story and I was like, man, that's so crazy. And like, even though you know, it's possible, you're like, there's no way I'll ever have four losses. Right. Like that just has to be so rare. Like I just couldn't imagine. It was like, yeah, one or two, whatever. But that many is just so shocking. Um, and super hard to deal with. So we kept trying, but my husband is out of town a lot in the summer. So we were like, we're not going to do a medicated cycle because if he has to leave last minute, I will have gone through all of these medications and ultrasounds and expenses, and then it'll be worth nothing, you know? So we decided not to do any treated cycles. And in August, he left. It was the craziest thing. He left like four days before I got a positive OPK. Um, three or four days. Cause I think it was like four days before I ovulated and he had to leave for an assignment. So he was gone for like the rest of the month. And we were like, okay, like there's pretty much no chance that we could possibly be pregnant. Like that's so early before ovulation. But I Googled obsessively as we all do and was like, okay, there's actually a lot of women who get pregnant like four days before they ovulate which are not get pregnant, but that's the last time they had intercourse four days before they ovulated. So I'm like, we have a chance. And, um, with all of my pregnancies, I swear I have felt implantation. Like I've always had this little like prickly cramp every time that I've ended up pregnant. And I've never had that in like a cycle where I haven't. So I had that cramp and I texted my husband and was like, I know this is crazy, but I swear I just had that feeling again. Like I always have. And, um, a few days later I got a positive pregnancy test and was like, this is so nuts because he left like so far before ovulation. Um, but we got a positive and kept getting positives for like three days, but they were really, really faint. It was like three or four days. And I was like, I'm not going to the doctor right away because I keep having these super low numbers. So I just kept testing at home and it was super, super faint for like four days. And I was like, this is going to be another chemical or whatever. Um, finally, just cause I was like such an emotional wreck. I called my doctor and asked for a beta went in and again, 
this time my beta came back negative, like less than two is what they say for anything that's negative. So came back negative and they're like, we're sorry, we don't have good news. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like the HCG is probably just still in my urine and, um, and I'm getting like these really faint lines at home because of that, whatever. So I told my doctor like this next month, like this next cycle, we want to start doing a treated cycle again. And since my period should have come like right after that, um, negative test, I was like, let's get on board for starting right away. And you have to start with medications like right away. So, um, two days later I was from that negative test two days later, I was supposed to go in and start, um, do like my baseline ultrasound for treatment and then start letrozole that night. And I was like, before we went to our um, ultrasound, I was like, let me just take one more pregnancy test to make sure the hormone is out of my system before I start taking medication. Just because we've had such a freaking weird, like trying to conceive journey. So I take a test and it's like light years darker. And I'm like, you've got to be, oh, and in the meantime, I did have my period. Like my period started, I think the day that I got my negative beta test and it was a normal period. So it was like two days later and my cycles are normally like three or four days, normal period, um, take my pregnancy test and it's darker. And I'm like, what on earth? Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I wanted to talk a bit about lube. Yes, lube. I would give a fair TMI warning beforehand, but let's be real. There's no such thing as TMI on this podcast. Okay. Who here uses lube? I do. Who here makes sure your lube is fertility friendly? I do. Even when not trying to conceive, I ensure my lube is fertility friendly because honestly, how is a non-fertility friendly lube even natural? Anyways, today let's talk Fairhaven Health's Baby Dance Lube. Baby Dance Lube is the only fertility friendly lubrication that is paraben free and cleared by the FDA. The patented formula is pH matched to fertile cervical mucus and semen. This means sperm won't die in the lubricant. Isn't that what we're all after? Now go get your baby dance on, ladies. As I always say, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't forget to visit fairhavenhealth.com or use the link in the description of this episode to get your hands on some baby dance lubricant. And shout out to Fairhaven Health for offering us lamb ladies a 10% discount using code LAM, capital L-A-M. Now let's get back to today's episode. So we go in for our baseline ultrasound and they're like, everything looks fine. Obviously they wouldn't be able to see, you know, really anything, um, pregnancy wise that early, but they're like, your ovaries look fine and we can start letrozole tonight. Here's your prescription. Um, but because you got this positive pregnancy test at home, let's send you for a beta just to make sure. But like you got a negative pregnancy test with bloods like two or three days ago. So we know it'll be negative, but let's just do it to make sure. So we go over to the hospital after our ultrasound and do betas. And on the way home, my nurse calls me and she's like, um, we really have no idea what's happening, but your beta is like a 28. And I was like, okay, it was negative two days ago. And then I had a period and now I have a positive beta. Like this just makes no sense at all. But whatever, we're grateful for a positive beta, of course, but very nervous that it could be another ectopic because of all of this weirdness. Um, But also, what is the likelihood that someone has two ectopics in a year? That's just crazy. So um, 
I go for, I obviously keep taking tons of pregnancy tests at home and they got darker beautifully. Like they were so perfect. And I got the positive digital and my test lines darker than my control line. And I kept going back for betas. It was like 28, 160, 400 or something. Um, so they were going up like beautifully and, uh, we were like, we have no idea, but we will take this miracle of course. Um, and I was at work one day and started having like really, really light spotting. Like you probably wouldn't even notice the spotting unless you had had a million miscarriages and knew what to look for and analyzed your toilet paper. Like we all do so bad. So, um, start having really light spotting and I'm like, okay, this can be fine. And then on my drive home from work, it's an hour drive. And I start having this just weird pain that felt exactly like the start of my pain with my first ectopic. And I'm like, shut up. Like this is not happening. I'm just going to ignore it. And I was on the phone with my mom the whole way home and I didn't say anything to her. Cause I was like, no, like this is just whatever, who knows? And the pain got worse and worse. And that night I couldn't sleep at all. I was like writhing in pain and got up finally in the middle of the night. Cause I was like, I just can't take twisting and turning in bed. I'm in so much pain, got up, went to the bathroom and was bleeding, which I, I just knew was going to happen. So my husband took me to the emergency room and the first time we had an ectopic, we went to the emergency room. They told me um, that I had free fluid in my abdomen. They couldn't tell if it was blood or just like fluid from a cyst rupturing. Um, and I still had the pregnancy hormone in my body. And um, they sent me home, which is so dangerous because ectopic pregnancies are like one of the number one killers of mothers in um, the first trimester of pregnancy. And they sent me home. And by the time I got um, to the hospital three days later after they had me do a follow-up appointment um, for my emergency surgery, the doctors told my husband that I had like half a day left to live or I would have bled out from that pregnancy. So the second time we go to the hospital, the doctor is like, well, even if I did an ultrasound, we wouldn't see anything because you're so early. So we'll just check your beta levels and send you home. And my beta was like 700 or 900. I can't remember, but it had gone up again from the last time. Um, and they sent me home and I was like, okay, hey, you guys have got to be kidding me. Like it's the same hospital and we know not to go there obviously now, but <laughs> they sent me home again. Um, and the next day that was at like one in the morning. And so the next day I'm at home from work cause I was in so much pain and my husband stayed home worried about me. And I'm just so uncomfortable all day. And both of our moms were like, you've got to be kidding me that you're not going to make the hour drive to the other hospital because you guys have been through this before. You almost died. Like you guys are not going to be stubborn and wait this one out again, go to the hospital. And finally we were like, you know what? Like, yes, we need to go in and advocate for ourselves this time. So we drove over to the other hospital and, um, it was actually the same ultrasound tech at that hospital that had been there when I had my first, um, ectopic. And she was so awesome that first time. And she was like, you might not remember me, but I was here the last time, like you were here. And so she, and she had explained things to me 
during the first one, which normally ultrasound techs like don't explain anything to you because I don't think they're supposed to, but she was really cool and was like, these are all blood clots in your abdomen the first time I went in. So this time I was like, please tell me what's going on. And she was like, okay, there's a lot of blood in your abdomen again. Not nearly as much as last time you were here, but there's a lot of blood. So that doesn't look good. And, and like, just keep in mind that this whole time, like my husband and my family and I were all like, there is no chance that you have two ruptured ectopic pregnancies in one year. Like that would be so crazy. Like so ludicrous. We're like probably just having a miscarriage. This just cannot be happening. And, and I don't mean to say just a miscarriage. I'm sorry to word it that way, but I mean, we just were like, there's no way this is another ectopic. So, um, then she's like, okay, I'm looking at your left fallopian tube, which is the only one I had at that point. And she's like, there's definitely a mass in there. So you know what this probably means. And I was like, well, shit. So she takes me back out to my husband. Um, and we're sitting there and I'm like, so she said that there's a mass in my left tube and I'm like bleeding out again. And he was like, just like, you could just tell he was crushed. Like, we just could not believe this is happening. Um, and I called both my parents and they both lost it. My dad was like crying so hard saying like, you just don't deserve this. Like just all these heart-wrenching things that like make you feel so bad about like how heartbroken they are. Um, and the OB surgeon that was on call came in and she was like, look, we could do the, I think it's methotrexate shot that they give you to like try and like flush out a pregnancy out of your tube. She's like, we could do that. But once a pregnancy gets to the point where like you're having this much like damage of bleeding out and everything and all this pain, the chances of that working are not very high. So there's a chance that we do that and you continue to bleed and it continues to be dangerous. And eventually we have to go in and take your tube anyway. Also the chance, like we already know that something is wrong with your fallopian tubes because this should not happen. You should not have multiple ectopic pregnancies, especially this close together. So she's like, if we did the methotrexate and removed that pregnancy and left your tube, there would still be enough scar tissue that it is incredibly likely you just continued to have ectopic pregnancies. She's like, if you were my daughter, I would tell you we need to remove your tube. But obviously that means that your only chance of getting pregnant in the future is IVF. Like you can never get pregnant naturally again. And I knew all that, but just like sitting there talking to her about it, I just lost it. Like all I've ever wanted to be as a mom. Um, I've been like so excited through this whole journey try, that we finally get to try to have a baby because I've been waiting like my whole life for this and just like realizing that we will never get pregnant naturally again um, was just so crushing. And um, I have to say though, my nurses and doctors in that hospital that day were so amazing. Like she sat there and held my hand and she was like, I know that you've heard this before, but you have to hear it again. You did nothing to cause this. Like you didn't do anything to make this happen and it's not your fault. And just 
like I'm a nurse and I know how busy you can be and how you can just be super science-based, but for someone to stop and take the time to really like connect on that human level, um, was just so amazing. I'll never forget her doing that. And then we had another nurse too, who had just had shift change. So she just came in right before I went to the operating room and she was like, she was like, Hey, I'm your nurse right now for like the next five minutes. If you need anything, let me know. Okay. Bye. And then she turned around and came back in and she was like, um, she was like, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And I just want you to know that sometimes you need someone else to lean on. Like sometimes our loved ones, um, like can't help us as much as we'd like them to. And we need to talk to a professional about this stuff. And like the fact that she just turned around and came back in my room to say, like, you need to take care of yourself. And I want you to know that there are people that are here for you. All of those were just so touching and just really helped the situation and like gave me my belief back in humanity. <laughs> so that was just a wonderful experience. Um, but they took me to the OR and removed that tube and that pregnancy. And so that's kind of where we're at now. That was in August. Um, we cannot conceive naturally anymore unless there's like some miracle, which I have Googled because we do that. And I found one lady who did end up pregnant after having both tubes removed. <laughs> so, you know, there's always wishful thinking. <laughs> every, every single month, Shelly, I'm still like, okay, I'm kind of feeling crazy. Should I take like, some pregnancy tests? Yeah. Maybe I, I, I would do this they're gonna be negative like you're so dumb but you just have to do it so um we are um starting the IVF process in um well in actually like a couple days I'll probably get started on birth control because they do that for like a month to suppress your um ovaries kind of to make sure that all your eggs are at the same like maturity um, and then we'll be doing our egg retrieval as long as everything goes well in February. So that feels really exciting because it feels like we're finally back on the road to potentially having a family. So that's where we're at now. And you, I just bought a sweatshirt, so I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> um, you, you just got a what? I just bought one of your sweatshirts, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, because you have, you started a bonfire campaign with like these adorable infertility related sweatshirts. And will you just talk a little bit about that and what the cause is for and where people can find them and that kind of stuff? Yes. Um we, yeah, we signed up with Bonfire, which if any of you out there are needing to do a fundraiser, because I know infertility is so expensive, Bonfire is just an awesome way, and it's super easy to do a fundraiser. Um, so we made these sweatshirts and t-shirts um, that say the best views come after the hardest climb, because we know that, you know, that that baby is going to be so worth it when we eventually get there. Um, we also are like super outdoorsy and live in Colorado and come from a very outdoorsy family. So it kind of all fit in together um, with the climbing part. 
And we have had so much success with that. It's just been awesome. We've had so many friends and family members um, purchase shirts. And I just felt like I didn't really want to be like, hey, if you could just all give us money, that would be awesome. <laughs> like we yeah. wanted to give someone something back um, and have a reminder of, you know, what they did and stuff. So that, um, it's on bonfire under Davis IVF is how you can find them if you want one. Um, but yeah, with, um, I know a lot of things aren't covered with insurance for infertility and especially for IVF. So like our insurance covers the diagnostic portions. So any of our labs that we need done before we start IVF, our insurance covers most of, which has been amazing. And I'm super thankful for that. Um, but it does not cover any of the IVF process. So um, ours with medications and everything included, uh, we've been quoted about $25,000 um, just to do one round of IVF. And gosh, hopefully that is successful. But for people who have to do multiple, I mean, that's 25 grand out of your pocket every time and none of it is covered. So it's just a huge hit financially after you've already been kind of taken down emotionally. Yes. That's, it's so crazy to me how expensive it is. Um, you guys go check out her sweatshirts. They're really, really cute. I'll link the, I'll link, oh my gosh, I can't talk. I will link it in the description of this episode. Hope, thank you so much for jumping on, giving us an update, sharing your story, especially because your story is so different and in the sense that you don't have your rainbow yet. You're still in that process. I just think it's so cool that you're still willing to be vulnerable and share because I know a lot of people kind of wait to do their update episodes till, you know, they have that happy ending and you're still in the works of that. And I think that's so relatable and I just Thank appreciate you. you so much. Thank you. I appreciate everything you do. I've had so many people reach out that have um, like heard of me through your episodes who've had ectopic pregnancies and it's just such a kind of rare thing that it's great when those of us that have had them can connect so that you know you've got someone else out there so thank you for what you do and putting it all out there too absolutely and I always ask you know this if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation what would it be I think just persevere like this process takes forever and it is so draining but there are people who have gotten pregnant after like seven and 10 years of IVF or infertility. And that's what I always have to keep my mind on is just continue to persevere. Obviously you guys did through four miscarriages and now you have, you know, your wonderful rainbow baby and another on the way. Congrats. Thank so you. just keep persevering because it will get there eventually. Yes, you will. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to link your Instagram in the description of this episode as well so that people can reach out. So you guys head to the description and check out her link to her sweatshirts and her Instagram. Shoot her a message. You're going to have to keep us posted and we will do another update episode at some point. So thank you yeah. so much, Hope. <laughs> thank you, Shelly. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.